morning, good morning. <sighs> How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> this past week was just really, I was just really off, man. Like this past, like mm, maybe up until yesterday, really too. Just really off. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Fe female hormones just suck. Suck, 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 suck. Yeah, no, they do for sure. I was going to say the gay male hormones suck too, but no, like it, that's a whole different story. People's people's hormones in general, but but no, but you have some stuff going on inside of you that I never will understand. So, props to you. Props to you. I said I said to Adriana the other day, you know, I'm like if if I just for like ten minutes gave you my cramps or gave you like could would you be rolled up in the fetal position? Like what would what would you be <laughs> like? How would you? Oh my God, yeah. Oh yeah, I would be like, uh, no, I cannot handle this. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, well, moving, moving along, moving along. Uh, this morning is funny. I put a, we can't even see cause the camera. So I put a bra on today for like the, like probably the third time or fourth time since the beginning of the pandemic. Oh my God. It's so funny because I put on this bra and we're just, we've got a comedian coming on the show today. So I thought, tell oh, something funny. Yeah. Funny, but yeah. um, no, I had this like black jacket that I'm wearing right now too. Right. So I put, I put on the bra and then you know, I, I just, and then I wasn't even thinking, I just put on the jacket on top of the bra. Like, I'm just going to like, cause I'm just so used to wearing one piece yeah. thing, which is just the shirt. So I put on the bra just like in my mind, just feeling like, oh, that's my shirt. And I just put on the, no, no, Rachel, no. <laughs> put on the shirt too. So anyway, I'm wearing that's a so funny. shirt for everybody too, but it's, yeah. It's, well, I, I'm grateful that you didn't you chose not to go for the underwear as outerwear trend is that a thing still yep i don't know if it is a thing right now but definitely if you look at all the freaking people at waiting outside the lineup for brandy melville which is like a one size fits all girls clothing store on granville street right beside I, me i know that store i've been in it i swear on dipshit Granville Street, just up a block from my apartment, I see lineups of like 20 to 30 people around the block waiting on taped out squares just to go in and get their one size fits all boho chic Americana San Francisco clothing. Yeah, and I've been in that store. And I mean, this has been, it's been a number of years, but I feel like a one size fits all is BS. Absolutely. Oh my God, is it ever? But. Anyway, that's, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've, I forgot about that store. I'm surprised, in a way, I'm surprised it actually survived uh, Vancouver and survived. I know. Just because of the way Vancouverites are with stuff that gets infiltrated into their system or I don't know. It's oh, I know. I guess it's the Hollywood North thing, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And but I love, and also, okay, so tell us about our guest. Did they, our guest, our guest today reach out to us. Am I mistaken about that? We're not mistaken. That so our guest uh, coming on the show today. But first, because I just talked about me, are you okay? We just do a little check in. Are you are you doing all right? We'll do, we'll definitely introduce our guest in a sec. Um, or is that a can of worms I just opened? It's a lot of worms. <laughs> okay. But I don't. But I don't got worms, so we're good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Okay. We'll have yeah. to. You know, and then we even, I think even on Instagram, we said, oh, Leo's, Leo's joining us early. Look at this early bird. 
Oh, uh, yeah. What's going on, kids? Oh, my God. I guess that is the right term, isn't it? I can't believe you let me in here. Oh, Say my what? God. We would totally let you into the bird cage. Is that the right? I don't know. But we, of course we would let you into our homes. The bird cage? Uh, I wasn't sure. Kids. I was a kid's bedroom, kid's home. Leo, obviously we don't have children, so we no. have no reference for anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah you know, no, there's no need for children. We don't need more children. There's enough Definitely people not. on the planet. Definitely yeah. not. Childlike is one thing. Being a child person is completely different. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I've been, you know, I've been actually watching Scooby-Doo, the, the new ah. series. <laughs> I don't know. Why? Scooby-Doo? Huh. I love there's on oh, Netflix there's the new adventures of Scooby Doo. Yeah. And I can't get enough of it. Uh it's <laughs> it's everything I didn't know I needed in my morning. I love it. I love it. Saturday cartoons brought back to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it. Leo, we we were just we were just what we like to say, we we're just fetching this morning and just bitching about some stuff in our lives and then we're recording right away, but we didn't even get a chance to introduce you. We were going to introduce you, and then you popped on, which is actually perfect, because normally what we do is we'll introduce the person, and then they'll come on, and we'll say, well, do you want to fill any holes that we forgot? And it's, well, how do they know what you said? Because we introduced them before. Anyway, this is this is better. This is better. I like this. I like this. Yeah, I like your setup. Your background, it looks great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't talking to you. I was no. talking to her. But yeah, but <laughs> awesome, awesome, naturally. Yeah, I love naturally. it. No, actually, and welcome to Canada, Leo. Because oh, uh, hold on, because I have at I, I didn't know you were gonna let me in. I thought I was gonna be in a waiting room, so <laughs> I, I had. <laughs> is this is this the uh, most auspicious start you guys have had to oh. the podcast? There we go. All right. I love whatever this is. I don't know what it is, but I love it already. I'm excited. All right. All right. I have to have my, my morning. Um, it, it's not tea. It's uh, lemon water. You can see the steam coming off of there. Love um, it. Cayenne pepper mm. and apple cider vinegar, mm. sometimes honey. Mm. And, uh, and that's it. I love it. That re- not not in any way that you're doing it. That reminds me of way back when that trend of what was a super cleanse. What was it called that people did with like the seven ingredients? Oh, the uh, lemon, like the uh, master cleanse. That yeah, Ma- yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was a thing. That was crazy. Like everybody Completely. was doing it, just like pooping Mm-mm. their brains out. <laughs> Diets uh, don't work, people. Just eat healthy uh, for your body. Yeah. Oh my god no that is that is a a very old ancient like a really good elixir that you have leo this morning yeah, it is what what yeah. i sometimes what i would put in it i put turmeric turmeric mm. anti-inflammatory right yeah. so that's like the next level like you put some turmeric but see that's a new thing too that's very trendy you're very trendy with your turmeric your turmeric latte you one of those? Yeah, right. Exactly. Turmeric coffee. Ah. I know. And technically, it's not turmeric. It's turmeric. Because they're like, it doesn't oh. have tumors, damn it. It doesn't have tumors. We're not trying to give you tumors. 
and, and meanwhile, you know, of, of course, like, you know, you, you go to Asia, they've been doing this for centuries and decades. And yes, and, and now it's a thing because, you know, we've made it a thing here in America. But. I know, I know, exactly. Well, I love that we kind of kickstarted this on a bit of a humorous note. Uh, I love it. Because... Leo, you are a comedian. <clears throat> Whoa, I just lost my voice there. A comedian. You're a comedian living in Los Angeles, correct? Currently? For, oh, I, actually, I was living in LA and then the pandemic hit and my girlfriend lives in San Diego. So we had to decide if we're going to quarantine in LA or San Diego. Mm, okay. There's, there's a lot of yeah. miles to put on my car. I just, my lease, I just started my lease on my car. As the pandemic started, I couldn't oh. have been more upset. Oh no! It, it was man. just sitting there for a year, like three miles in like nine months. Oh, oh man! Yeah, it was preposterous. Anyway, but anyway, so I decided to move in with my girlfriend down here in San Diego. Oh, and so that's better. where I'm at now. Thank you. And you're still together. Congratulations! I, you know, I tell you what. Yeah. We immediately. Um, got ourselves, I got myself, uh, individual therapist. We got a, a couple's therapist and then, uh, we, we just like, we, we got, I took guitar lessons, Spanish wow. and, uh, sign language. Wow. So immediately I was just like, how can I distract myself from this relationship? You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the key. Have something other to do besides you know, yell and scream at each other, and then no kidding. Um, sure, be good. Yeah, individual lifestyles are so key. No matter how close you are with the person you love, yeah, and yeah, you gotta gotta move. I remember one of my Uber drivers was, uh, you know, he's been married for like 40, 50 years, and he said the key is to get out the house. Yeah, you gotta travel. He goes if you sit in that, if you're in one, and I know what the quarantine has been tough for so many people, but. Uh, even just walking, take take a few laps around the block. Yeah. Like Netflix cannot be the solution for everything. No, no, not at all. And in where you're living in, in San Diego, how what's it like when you're in your vicinity? Is it more neighborhood-like? You can walk around, there's more nature or at least a, like grass. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know, because I grew up in Chicago on the north side and I, one block from the lake. So I've always been around nature. And then here, right across the street is a, a massive park. And then oh, there's like another playground. Like it's it's green. It's, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate. Hiking is 10 minutes away. Yeah, it's fantastic. very fortunate. Yeah. Sounds, like, sounds like he's in our neck of the woods, Rachel. I know. And I've always wanted to go to San Diego, actually. So um, a couple of things. First of all, because uh, you mentioned therapy, and I know yeah. you've have your master's in psychology correct so yeah it's so it's so fascinating to me because they say you know comedians tend to find comedy because of maybe some challenge not challenges but like you know ment there's a lot of comedians that are out there that are that talk about mental health already on the stage oh, yeah. right right or they're or they come to being a comedian because they they have such low self-esteem and they like that's their outlet right yeah. It's it's really interesting to me that you did the psychology part, <laughs> and then I really want to know a lot about that. Mm -hmm. But it's also going to say because Hero mentioned, uh, so we're Hero's in Vancouver, 
So I don't know if you've ever been to. British I have been. I love. I, I hiked Grouse Mountain up there in Vancouver. Nice. Goes. Uh, actually, we're gonna head back up to uh, Vancouver uh, if everything goes well uh, towards the end of this year. Uh, nice. Me, myself and me myself. Why did I say that? Uh, myself and Jessamay Peluso, uh, another comedian who uh, also talks a lot about mental health. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I love, I absolutely love Vancouver. It's mm-hmm. such a like active, vibrant, clean. It yeah. felt like, like I was there 10 years ago. It felt like somebody just took the plastic off of it. Uh, right. It was like the train station was, you know, or, you know, I've been in Chicago, New York, where there's graffiti everywhere and the trains are quiet. Oh, yeah. oh, that's the part I really love. It's like, true. The trains are quiet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Love true. Vancouver. Definitely. Well, if you come to Vancouver and you want any support or anyone to show you around or whatever, let me know because I'm right downtown, literally right downtown by all the theaters as well. Uh, excellent, man. Yeah, I'll definitely take you up on that. And I apologize for what I said about your background. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm Jewish. We're good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend's Ashkenazi Jewish. So. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh my God. yeah. Meshikan honorable. Great. Yeah, I guess it's, but she's not, she knows nothing. Like, we don't I, either. You know, We're I, bad I, Jews. We're <laughs> bad Jews. We're horrible Jews. We're horrid Jews. She bought a menorah for uh, Christmas and didn't know how to light it. Like, we, yeah. we, she didn't know there was a, like, there was a, there was a ceremony. Process. I just thought you lit all the candles at once and there's nah. like some. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I was me and Rachel were watching some clips of yours as well. Of course, we like to do a little research on people we have on the show, and you actually were a substitute teacher in a Jewish school at least yes. one day, right? Yeah. And you know what? I I learned so much about um, how to think from uh, you know the Jewish kids love me for whatever reason. Like that, you know, they were always requesting me, and I. I but my first day, I was like, this isn't going to work out. And, you know, just all up in my head and uh, it turned out to be a great thing. But I, I remember one day in class, it was um, an eighth grade class. And I was teaching, uh, well, I say teaching. I gave them their math assignment because I'm horrible in math. So right. I didn't teach the math. It is like, here's your assignment. And there was this girl who uh, didn't know one of the questions, like question 13 or whatever. And this girl next to her was like, you don't know the answer to that? What's wrong with you? You're so stupid. And I was going to jump in, but there was some, some instinct. You know, you develop instincts over a while, said, don't say anything. Just sit back and see how this plays out. And the girl was like, yeah, but so just show me how to do it. And the girl was like, but you're so dumb. Like, you should know how to do this. She was like, yeah, but just show me how to do it. And, and eventually the girl showed her how to do it. And then she was like, oh, I understand now. Thank you. And then went right back to work. And it was a lesson. It was a reminder of like humility and uh, putting your ego to the side and not taking things personally. Like you can call me whatever you want, but if you show me how to do it, then I'll be on the same level as you and we won't ever have this conversation again. Versus getting caught up in your feelings of, why would you say that to me? You're bullying me. And not to say that we shouldn't take bullying seriously, but it was a lesson of like, you know, uh, and uh, I think it was Paulo Coelho. No, Don Miguel has a book called The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is not to take things personally. Yeah. And that was such an example of that. And I was also, I was always fascinated by where she learned that type of resolve and resilience and focus of like, hmm. the mission is for me to figure out this 
problem. Once I learn it and I don't care what anybody else says, then I get right back to work. And then you can see the other girl like respected her after that was like, whoa, my powers don't work against you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me bow down. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just it was a. But anyway, so I had I had like a a beautiful learning experience uh, as a as a person teach learn uh, it from those schools that, that I taught in. Amazing. Well, when you talk about your girlfriend as being Ashkenazi, I got to ask the question, did you meet her on J-Date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I like, I like to call, I like to uh, uh, cast a, a broad net. You know yes. what I'm saying? I was on yes. all, you know, all, all the all the websites. Christian um, Mingo, J-Date, and all yeah, the other ones yeah, in between. All, all of it. All yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> actually, I met her at a comedy club. She was there with another comedian, a uh, female comedian. And uh, we had, and I've seen her a couple times, but you know, she was a quiet one, just kind of sitting in the corner in the green room. Yeah. And then one day we were in there and we both ordered, uh, it's, a, it's a very nice comedy club, Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa. Cool. And they had, they serve like filet mignon and salmon, like a, not a lot of comedy clubs no. do it like that, but it's in a very upscale part of California. Okay. And so we both ordered salmon and broccoli. And we're sitting right next to each other and we looked at and we both had tea. We both had tea, salmon and broccoli. And we just looked at each other was like, well, I I guess this is it. Right. Like, you know, we're a thing, you know. And ever since then, uh, we, we haven't left each other's side. Oh my God! That's well, mostly because of the quarantine. But you know, uh... <laughs> oh my. So let I want to go go back a little bit. I, I'm sure you've asked has this, have this question asked a lot. Well, first of all, I'm sure you, one of these questions you've asked a lot is that your real last name? It is, and people do ask that a lot. So my grandfather, uh, we think, um, was Latino or, or South American. Uh, and he played the guitar. So that's why I started practicing the guitar. Mm-hmm. I, 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 even though I don't know anything about him, I do know that he uh, practiced guitar. Cool. And, uh, and his last name may have been Flores, and then he changed it to Flowers to uh-huh. kind of assimilate. But we don't know. We don't know. Mm. But fun fact, Flowers, because I had to look up my last name, yes. um, is French, depending on where you come from, from, from uh, Flowers. And Flowers is what they called archers. Because, uh. you know, you pull back and the, and the, you know, the arrows flow through the sky. So yes. flowers, flowers. So if you were an archer, yeah, your last name was either archer or uh, flower, but then it would be, uh, anyway. That's a very colorful background. I love yeah. That. I love that. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Right on. I guess. And then my second question is back to the, you know, psychology. Yeah. What made you like? Were you always? Were, let's 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 dive. Let's let's backtrack into Leo's maybe childhood, or if you don't mind going back that far, it's up. It's- uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm in therapy, so I'm always going back that far. I mean, and <laughs> I think it's more just so that our listeners, watchers, can get to know you a bit better into why yeah. why comedy. What was were, were you always in entertainment? Because I know you act as well, correct? Yes. So to, to me, I think um, 
it from the outside it can look like so many different things right uh i have a master's in counseling psychology i played college football division 1a was a defensive mm. tackle uh i'm doing stand-up comedy now i have a podcast on suicide prevention yeah. uh, i was a substitute teacher it, it all looks like so many different hats yeah um at the end of the day for me i think that uh when people tap into the theme of their life and their in their purpose then it allows you to navigate so many different areas as opposed to identifying yourself as being one thing of like I'm just a carpenter or I'm just a teacher or I'm just a mother or whatever that is uh when you understand the the theme and what drives you then you can exist in almost any arena and so for me I realized early on that at my core I am a uh a consultant uh a mediator a uh like a conduit between people and entities and I, I'm, a, I'm a connector of ideas mm -hmm. so for me so stand up allows me to do that um you know my my podcast allows me to do that yeah. um the uh you know counseling and psychology allows me to do that so even even football there's a you're you're connecting because you're part of a team you're in the middle of something and and it's about you doing your part and there's a is a nonverbal communication that's mm -hmm. taking place and uh and it's about trust and you have to trust that the other guys on the team are going to do what they're going to do so when you understand like what your life is about then you can be fluid in life versus being rigid in life that's why like you know when when the stock market crashed in 2008 a lot of people you know ended their lives uh when people go through a breakup they end their life and you know there's so many things that destroy people because they were so identified with this one thing but all the research shows that uh being a generalist and having range uh is what is most effective in helping you be flexible Right now, I'm listening to a master class. Um, uh, I forget the name of the astronaut, but he's talking about how to be an astronaut, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to it not because I want to be an astronaut, but because I'm just listening for nuggets of things that I can then incorporate into my own personal life. Yeah. And one of the things he talked about is to be an astronaut because it's just you and like three or four other people up there in the space station. Uh, you have to be a generalist. You have to learn everything. You have to learn geology, geography. You have to become a mechanic. You have to become a medic, like all these different things. And a lot of us get so hyper-focused on one thing that then when we're taking out of that environment or context, we can't survive, yes. right? So I approach life like that. Like, you know, I'm not, I haven't mastered, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I've mastered anything, but I have come to recognize what my, main focus is and I just honed in on that. I love that. And something that just came up for me when you were talking about that is, well, what do you think we tell, we don't have kids, but what do you think we tell children? What do you want to be when you grow up? What, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it's like drilled into you at a, such a young age. And so, you know, most of us spend a lot of our lives just thinking that we have to find that path, the path, the path, the path, the, the one thing that we have to be good, at, you know? And it's exhausting. Like, I feel like, you know, now I'm in my late thirties. I feel like I, I only just realized what you just said 
about it's okay to just be, you know, sort of, sort of okay at like multiple, multiple different things and kind of hone in on that one big picture. And I feel like that's something that I've only just learned now. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like, how do we teach? We got to, we got to do something different. I think with kids as well, when it comes to that, that age. Well, you know, there's a, it's, there's a, there's a time and place for mastery. Yeah. There's a time and place for generality, right? So even g- using the example of the astronauts, they're, they're only there at that level because they've mastered a certain thing. You know, they, they, they only bring in the best biochemist and the, yeah. and the best, um, you know, uh, mechanic or, or, or whatever, but the different parts is. And then once you've achieved the level of mastery, then it's about, you know, becoming more general. Some yep. people are always general and some people are hyper-focused. Uh, it's about knowing, it's about, you know, timing it of like, is this a time to where I can master something and drill down? Or is this a time where I need to learn 10 different things yep. and expand because I've been so hyper-focused or have I been so scattered that I need to drill down? And, and yep. that can wax and wane also. So I, I'm not trying to prescribe a one-size-fits-all here. I'm just saying, you know, if you feel like um, you're not growing, uh, it may be a time to go in either direction, either go deeper or go broader. But there's always a time for both. I think that's so true, though, when you talk about going deeper, going broader, is that it gives you the permission to know that there's there's more than one option. There's more than one path. And especially in a time like now where we are required to be resilient and to be adaptable, um, some people thrive more than not. Me and Rachel talk a lot about resilience, and you mentioned this as well. Um, Me and Rachel are both child Holocaust survivors from uh, both sets of our grandparents. So having those connections of resilience and drive and perseverance, you know, Rachel, you tend to kind of chuckle a little bit that we were ready. We were ready for something like this to happen because it's so innate within us. Just like the student you talked about in the math class who was resilient and just saying, okay, this is what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Well then show me, you know, instead of taking that defensiveness to saying, okay, sure. Just tell me, I'll figure it out. There is this kind of innateness we have to just rebound and we'll figure it out. And even if we don't know how we do and we cope as we need to cope. But yeah, but on the flip side, there's also, because I think of some of that generational trauma so to speak there's a lot of because we talk a lot about mental health on this podcast too so there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of like you know those kinds of things too that were probably passed on what am I saying passed down from generations um and whatnot so you know the mental health component to our podcast and just to, to having those conversations is very important as well so your podcast that sounds really Interesting. I did see one or two episodes where I was looking it up. So how did that come about? Uh, well, you know, I've always struggled with suicidal ideation myself. You know, when I was nine years old, I told my mom when I turned 40, I was going to end my life. Oh. And, and looking back, I didn't know why. It was just something I said. And it wasn't out of anger. It was a very matter of fact. And, uh, and I've talked to other people who've had children say the same thing that uh, when they turn a certain age, they're going to end their life. And they, in fact, do at that age. And, wow. you know, I'm 45 now. And so, you know, as I was approaching 40, I really was like, what was that about? Because, that, you know, for that seed to be planted in the, in the mind of a nine year old 
Um, I, you know, I have to go back and, and, uh, and address this because uh, this is something I don't want to take lightly and just assume that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see a hundred. Um, yeah. And I realized that I had a strong sense of uh, feeling like a burden uh, to my parents. Hmm. Uh, well, to my mom specifically, because my dad wasn't around. And there was also that component of my dad not being around and, you know, feeling uh, neglected and, and wanting that presence there. So it was it was a number of things that um, had taken place in my childhood that um, led me to, to have those types of feelings and, and, and thoughts. And so for people out there listening who are um, struggling with these thoughts and these ideations, you know, one of the places I found solace in is in reading biographies. You know, uh, I just read Coco Chanel's biography and she as a kid had always thought about ending her life. Um, Winston Churchill struggled with uh, depression. Abraham Lincoln was suicidal. His friends actually had to uh, lock him up to protect him from himself and take his guns away. Um, And so when we read about other people uh, who have also struggled with the same type of uh, thoughts or emotions or feelings, one, you know, we feel less alone in the world. And, and two, we, we learn that other people have lived a full life despite having those thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Because a lot of times we think, well, if I'm thinking it, then clearly I want to do it, so I should do it. But there's a lot of things I think about. Like, I, I thought about writing a book for a million years, and I still haven't uh, <laughs> written a book. There's so many things we think about that we don't do that we kind of, we, we brush off. So Mm-hmm. Um, so I found uh, uh, connection in books and in biographies. Um, but the other thing that led me to doing this podcast was I was talking to a, so my podcast is called Before You Kill Yourself. Yeah. And um, Rashawn Salam was a, a football player who played for the Chicago Bears. He was a Heisman Trophy winner in college and, uh, and ended his life in his uh, 30s. And it, it was one of those things that always um, baffled me. How could a guy who's a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, seemingly loved by everyone, yeah. um, and then get drafted? Like, he's living my dream. Like, I wanted to not only go to the NFL, but to play for the Chicago Bears, my hometown. And, um, and when you read about Rashawn Salam, he had uh, charities and children's where he, like, he was working with kids and he was, he was loved by the community. Hmm. Um, and then I just happened to run into a friend of his at the gym. I didn't know he was a friend. We just we were talking about football and Rashawn Salam came up and he goes, yeah, that was my guy. And I go, why did he end his life? And he said, he didn't know how to take care of himself. Hmm. And it was so matter of fact <clears throat> And it stuck with me because I think at the time I was maybe 35. I was, you know, I was approaching 40 and I go, wow, I have a master's. You know, I've, I've been to, uh, I was educated in a private school as a young kid. I went to a Catholic school. Uh, I've traveled through, I've been to five continents and I don't know how to take care of myself. Yeah. And I thought how interesting with all my education, with all the exposure that I had, with all the different thought leaders I've interacted with. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't really think I know how to take care of myself. Mm. And I was like, if I'm struggling and he's struggling, how many other people out there are struggling with 
knowing how to sleep, knowing how to uh, cope with not being able to sleep. What do you do if you are waking up every night at three o'clock in the morning? Um, how do you resolve conflict in your relationships? How do you handle grief and loss? Um, you know, all these different things, uh, you know, how do you exercise? How do you reduce anxiety? Yes. Um, these things that we don't really talk about. How do you handle finances? How do you think about money and have those conversations? How do you take care of yourself? We learn right. about state capitals and, and math and, uh, you know, uh, this is a graphite. But how do you self-soothe? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Oh, tell, I, I could I could go on and on about that. <laughs> well, because like, you know, Hero and I have talked about this a number of times in the podcast, but Hero is, we're all kind of slightly different ages. Hero's not quite 30. I'm approaching 40, let's just say. <laughs> so, but when both of us were in school, specifically when I was in school, what you just said completely rings true. Like there's no conversation about any of that stuff. I basically had a full-blown panic attack that landed me in bed for a whole week because nobody knew what it was. I was completely incapacitated. I was 18, 17. I thought I was dying. It was the, it was the most horrific. It, it's still traumatic to me because at the time, no one was educated about it. Nobody knew, didn't teach young people or anybody really how to take care of their mental health, their mental well-being. So um, I can completely understand, I completely understand what you're talking about. So I guess what do we do then? So, so what you're doing with your podcast is hopefully giving people the tools, teaching people how to kind of rise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really about like one of the things, I mean, well, first you asked me like, what do we do? And I I think the the first thing is uh, to read, uh, you know, bios. And I say bios because when you read a person's biography, somebody who's lived the full life, not, not somebody who's still living, mm-hmm. you get to see a 360. Yeah. And you get to see somebody go through the panic attacks, the divorces, the financial losses, the, the ups and downs of life. Mm-hmm. That Because your parents, you know, they're in fight and flight mode for the most part. Your parents are working two jobs. They're raising three kids. They're barely getting food on the table at night. You'd be lucky if they have the, the, the same socks on both feet so we you know they're just they're in survival mode right and and so the the thing that usually gets dropped is really being able to connect and talk and help you navigate what you're going through and prepare you you know for puberty it's like Mm -hmm. because times have changed so quickly where uh when i was a, a kid um you know puberty was starting around like 13. now kids are having puberty at at nine like that's the average, yeah, because of the foods and the processed foods and things like that. And so most parents aren't aware. They don't have time to be reading about how the world is changing and how, the, how their kid is growing up in a different world uh, to, to prepare them for that. They think they got another four years. And so when that kid is nine and all these things are happening to their body and hormones are kicking in four years earlier, um, they're not prepared. And, they, and so they think that you're crazy. Cause they don't want to feel crazy. And so the, the kid usually gets blamed for yeah. it or gets medicated because we're, we have a system that doesn't understand ADHD or, mm-hmm. um, uh, hormones or energy levels and yeah. introverts and extroverts and how the environments can affect how someone, uh, behaves in class. Yep. So it's, it, it starts from top down, 
but it, but it, it you know I, I don't know where to start to be honest but for me i've always um the best education has always been self-education of like being like here's a problem here's a thing i don't understand it and i it, you know youtube videos books podcasts uh is just you know trying to figure it out until you figure it out and and keep asking questions i think yes. if there's any place i would start ask be lean into curiosity and we don't need to have the answer but as we begin to peel back the layers and when i say lean into curiosity not just with other people right if, if the kid is acting up in class and misbehaving or whatever you know to, to drill down on mm -hmm. what's going on versus uh, being quick to punish them. This zero tolerance is ridiculous because yeah. listen, who doesn't want a little room at the, at the, uh, in their coffee, right? You, you want a little room to add your own milk. It's right. the same thing uh, with people. It's like, leave a little room for me to be messy. Leave yeah. a little room for me to, 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 um, to say, uh, you know, uh, a few inappropriate things so that we can all learn yeah. Um, how to adapt and, and grow. But curiosity is, is, is where it begins. I love that. So true. So true. And I think me and Rachel naturally are quite curious people. I mean, whether if you want to put it on, we're both Aquarius, you know, Zodiacs or anything like that, you know, you take whatever theory you wish. You, we are both very inquisitive people that want to know why and get behind the understanding of what things are, why they are and not taking no for an answer. So reason why I was so happy you reached out to us um, to be on the show and then doing a little research about yourself is that I can tell there's a common thread that the people that come on the show regardless of where their backgrounds are if they know western before if they don't if they're completely um foreign until we have our conversation with them and so as you mentioned um growing up and you were talking about the complexes that started to develop what was that like for you before you were nine years old like if you looked at yourself like from four or five years old what was it like growing up where you were based in everything else going through there like how did that all develop to now? If you can give a snapshot. So my, my, well, I, you know, I thought it was my earliest memory. My earliest memory yeah. is uh, sitting in front of the TV in, in my parents' room. Mm -hmm. My mom was uh, married to my stepdad. Okay. Uh, they're not, they're not married anymore, but uh, at the time uh, he was my stepdad and was watching TV and then he asked me to move. I guess my head was blocking the TV because they were laying in bed and I was sitting at the, on the floor at the head of the bed. Mm. And I guess I didn't move fast enough and he hit me. Now, I don't remember him hitting me. I do remember my mom jumping out of bed. She was butt naked and she's yelling at him for hitting me. And then he hit her. Now, I don't remember him hitting her, right? I just remember my mom standing there uh, yelling at him and she grabbed our stuff and we left. Wow. Packed our things right there, right then and there. Like, yeah, he only hit her once. And that's because she was just like, I, I'm not putting up with that. No. And we packed our things and we got out of there. And wow. so I think part of, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I, I could feel like some chills and, and some, emotions right now as I, as I talk about it, because I, I never had this insight before, because like I said, that's my first memory. 
And so I think what that ingrained in me is like, don't be in the way because it could destroy your, your, the home, like, you know, everything fractures after that. So I've, I've kind of had this, and I feel it in myself of like, not wanting to be a burden, not wanting to be in a way, not wanting to cause any, uh, you know, friction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, I mean, wow. What an amazing podcast you guys have. I mean, God, I've been going to therapy for 50 years and she has not cracked this code yet. Um, but- <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a hundred dollars. Oh my uh, God. Thank you. But, uh, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a Canadian bank account cause I thought I was going to be up there more often than I was. Well, uh, you will be one but- day. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I- I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that was my, so we moved to the south side of Chicago to live with one of my mom's sisters. And then I th- my next earliest uh, memories, I got stung by a bee and uh, right up under my eye, walking home from like preschool. And my mom, uh, we, my mom took it out and then we sat on the steps and uh, we ate ice cream. Um, so I remember, you know, eating ice cream. So, you know, I, that, that was a message for me of like, you know, food makes things better, but also your mom, you know, you know, eating ice cream on the steps. So to this day, like being on a porch, being on stairs is very soothing for me. It's it's, Mm -hmm. uh, one of those places I go when um, I feel a bit disconnected. (laughs) So isn't it, it's so interesting that you took from that very first memory, you took the idea that you perhaps were a burden rather than, wow, my mom is so strong and resilient and I can, I, I have this in me too. Right. But as a kid, like you just, it, it's funny. It, it's just interesting what we take from different situations. Right. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're young, you're um, you know, your, your prefrontal cortex isn't developed. Your thinking brain is not. And you're just like, wait, wait, we're going, what, what, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, packing your bags, you, you, the, the world is disrupted. It was like, hey, I didn't have to really watch Scooby-Doo, you know, um, or, or whatever I was, <laughs> whatever we were, we were watching. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is interesting. It's not until I got older that I started to really respect and, and honor my mom for what she, what she did, you know? Yeah. Cause as a, as a woman, I just, I can, I'm just like, wow, I just bow down to that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I like not that's not uh, maybe a normal occurrence necessarily that she just decided that right. moment. Yeah, really, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Oh my, there's just so many facets to your life. I'm like, what do I want to ask you next? Um, it's just well, you know what? If we can go back for a second because we're talking about you know really getting to the why of things, please. And you know we we can why ourselves all day. To be honest, um, you know, I my my why of like why I said what I said at nine, I, I could tie it back to then. But as we mentioned before, there's generational, historical uh, traumas that that we're carrying around. There's we could if we want to get down to the genetics and the hormones and the chemical circulate, like all that ties into it. Yeah, and I, I bring that up to say, you know, um, at some point we we have to be satisfied with what we've learned and then just chalk it up to an experience and then from there decide what are the experiences we want to have right um uh, you know uh, over analysis can lead to stagnation 
And uh, if we get too caught up in, in trying to search for the meaning of, of things, uh, then we miss out on all the experiences and wonders of life. You know, that's one of the things I did love about school and educational system is that you were, you know, depending on the school you went to, you're exposed to a lot of things with those field trips, you know, uh, the papers that they asked you to write, the different mm -hmm. classes you took, things that you typically otherwise probably would not have been interested in. No. But but you showed up, you studied it, you read it, and, and you did the work. And, and I think mm -hmm. as adults, we kind of try to get into this, like, who am I? And what am I about? Versus <laughs> just, like, uh, doing things for the sake of doing it. You know, mm -hmm. like with the me listening to the astronaut masterclass. Like I'm just I'm just listening because I don't know any astronauts. You know, like there doesn't have to be a, a bigger uh, meaning to that. But um, please, because you can get something from everything if you're paying attention. Yeah, every experience is rich and rewarding and valuable if if we are if we allow ourselves to be present. And that's the problem where people, someone like myself with chronic anxiety, you get so caught up in your head that for, I'd say 90 something percent of the time, I mean, that's a pretty high percentage. It's like, I, I'm not even really in the present moment or in reality. I'm always in my head concerned about the next thing concerned about mm -hmm. predominantly I have uh, health anxiety. So like, Oh my God, what is this? What is this? I think the worst case scenario and I can't you know, and you're right. Like when, when instead of focusing or honing on one thing, can we just surrender? And to me that, that word, I know surrender might, might sound like a scary word, but to me, that word is very calming to me. Cause I feel like, can we just surrender to the moment? Uh, can we just, you know, be with the moment? So I don't yeah. know, cer certain words definitely are healthy triggers for me, perhaps. Yeah. No, I love that. Cause you know, a lot of people, um, you know, right now I've been waking up at three o'clock in the morning hmm. and that was giving me anxiety at first because I was like, why is this happening? Am I going through a depressive spell? Am I anxious? What is the universe trying to tell me? Right. And, 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 and I was, you know, analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. And then I go, okay, I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm right. going to surrender to that. That's just where my world is right now. I'm going to mm -hmm. accept that. So what is the experience that I want to have when that happens versus what does this mean and trying to backtrack? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we look at uh, waking up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, my, you know, my, one of my strategies is to I step outside for a minute. I let that cold air hit me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I look up at the moon and the stars and I, you know, I have a little conversation with like, what's going on, moon? What's up, stars? You know? I go, yeah, I clear. I got some things on my mind. I'm glad you guys are still here. You know, like whatever, whatever that combo is. Yeah. And then I step inside and I might journal a little bit, just freestyle, just, yeah. you know, seeing what's up there or yeah. write a letter of appreciation to someone, you know, a little gratitude of like, hey, you know, I wrote a, a letter of appreciation to my aunt, who was the one who took us in when uh, my stepdad hit my mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have these people in your lives and you don't realize how valuable they were to where you are today because they've been quiet about it. They're not looking for a reward or a trophy. Right. You know, there's no highlight reels of how they influenced your life. And one day I was like, um, uh, like five years ago, 
I just was like walking. I realized how many things my mom was able to do because my aunt supported her. And because my aunt supported her, my mom was able to support me. So, right. you know, a lot of I was so caught up in like what my mom's done and she's a strong woman. And I realized she ha also had a team around her. So I just sat down and wrote a letter one day. No, not, not, not a letter. I left this like very lengthy voicemail uh, to my aunt just saying thank you. I, and I, I was saying thank you for things I didn't know. I was like, I don't know all the things that you've done to help my mom so that my mom can help me and put food on the table and send us to Catholic school. I don't know all the ways in which you've been supportive. And, you know, I got arrested once and my aunt was the one that came down to the, the jail to help bail me out. I don't know how much she paid and she never, ever brought it up. But, and I was like, I just want to say thank you. And I, I want to be specific, but I don't know all the ways in which to thank you. But I do know that where I'm at today is because of, partly because of the things that you have done uh, in my life behind the scenes. And, yeah. and then my mom called me like a few days later saying my aunt was just bawling her eyes out. Yeah. And, and it turned out that she had like stage four cancer and didn't tell anybody. Whoa. And so it was like a very emotional, like, I'm so glad that that was in my heart to say that and that I did share that. And, um, it, it was just, it was, just, I would have, I think I, I would have like beat myself up had I not yeah. expressed that love and appreciation, uh, before she passed away. Wow. So, you know, that, that 3 AM is, is a time to ask yourself, how do you want to experience this? Yeah. Right. Versus why is this happening to me? Yes. For, and you know, there's a couple really big insights that you gave there. Um, in terms of, and me and Rachel are both yoga teachers. I'm primarily between the two of us currently, I'm, that's my bread and my butter, so to speak, even though COVID's really put a damper on that, like a whole damper on it. But point being, in terms of theory and Ayurveda, which is the sister science to yoga and the constitutions that are about that, like what your genetic makeup is, eating and stuff, uh vata which is the element of air um the period of time of the day that vata is very prominent if i'm not mistaken i believe it's between 4 and 6 a.m or 3 and 5 a.m so it's interesting that you're waking up for whatever reasons they may be at this time where the world is in an airy state the world is that it's the whole world is universally asleep mm. and so waking up and being conscious conscious and aware in a state where everything is still is kind of neat in a way not only to reflect upon which is what you were express expressing that you did but also embracing i look at surrender but i look at embracing yeah and embracing the fact of hmm, okay this is happening like the girl in the math class there's a thread that we've been talking about this whole time how am i going to embrace and make use of this moment finding meaning within a moment where most might be in agony frustration or distraction Right. And so also kind of threading into something that you do love and do is comedy. You know, like that's a perfect, perfect skit or a perfect show about like, you know, Leo at 3 a.m. after dark and being like, here I am at 3 a.m., me, myself and my journal and the star and the moon and the sky. And here's my conversation with them. Right. Like there's something very powerful about that. Mm -hmm. So. When was your first exposure to comedy, to laughing? What was your first experience of laughter that made you feeling, I want to make people laugh or connect from a story that I'm sharing to evoke with themselves? 
where did that where did that all start for you? You know, I, I'd say uh, it started with Peggy. My mom uh, usually had a very stoic face. You know, she's a immigrant from Belize, uh, working all day uh, at a bank, um, and usually had a very stoic face. And so I could never read her. I, I I didn't know if she was happy or sad or or whatever. And but I, my childhood memory is anytime she talked to Peggy on the phone, nonstop laughter. <laughs> and I knew that when my mom talked to Peggy, I could ask my mom for anything I wanted in the world and she would give it to me because she was in such a great mood. And my mom would just be like, Peggy, no, no, Peggy, Peggy, stop it. Like just <laughs> hours of, and my mom never said a word. It was just Peggy just going on and on and on about whatever her day was ranting and raving. And my mom just reacted, no, Peggy, stop, no, no, child. Like, and <laughs> so there was a part of me that uh, admired Peggy for being able to light my mom's uh, face up like that. And, and then, but uh, when I got to college, uh, and then in high school, uh, so, you know, things build on themselves, right? So there's that seed planted. And then when I got to high school, um, I was able to get free passes to the comedy clubs. And I never wanted to be a comedian, but I just loved to laugh and love comedy. And I thought it was cool. And yeah. so I would always tell them it was my birthday the next month. So I would get free passes and me <laughs> and my other uh, high school buddies would go whenever we had the chance. Um, but then it was in college that it was a talent show. And there was a guy who was doing stand up, And I, I just remember watching him like, how do you do that? I was just curiosity, right? Leaning into curiosity of like, that's fascinating that you can get on stage with a microphone with the intention of making people laugh. Yeah. And people are laughing. And so, uh, you know, soon after then the Chris Rock special, uh, Bring the Pain released. Uh, and that to me was like, okay, now I want to try this. And not to say that I, I was thinking I could be Chris Rock, but yeah. He was the first comedian I saw that was not only funny, but he was saying something. Yeah, he had uh, he had a, a perspective, he had a voice, he had a philosophy, and it stuck with you. You know, all the comedy shows I had seen up to that point were funny, and then I forgot who they were and what they talked about. Right. He was the first one where afterwards I was like, "Huh." Wow, you know, we we talked about relationships, and he talked about black people, and he was talking about uh, politics, and yeah, it was things that made you continue the conversation afterwards, and so that that's always been important to me in my comedy, and that you know I've had people come up to me uh, because they because they, they've been to different shows, and they'll say you saved my relationship, or they'll say I had one girl. Uh, say you made me stay too long in a relationship, you know, like, you know, it, it's, you know, you're going to get the pendulum is going to swing both ways uh, where people are like uh, idolizing you or lying or demonizing you. Um, and so, but it's, it's been uh, fascinating to see that impact on people and to see how people are making decisions based off what you're saying on stage. And yeah. I just, I just wanted to do, I want what I do to continue the conversation that you have in the car and at home and, you know, and in the future. 
Amazing. love that. And so how, how have you found your experience? Because you said you, so you moved from Chicago to LA? Was that the? Well, Chicago. And then I, uh, I got a football scholarship. I received a football scholarship to play at Ball State. Um, I was a defensive tackle and um, I was injured my fourth year. I woke up paralyzed. So I have six bulging discs in my neck um, and I've been paralyzed twice. Once was in college and then once when I was like 33, 32, somewhere around there. Oh my God. Uh, and then the great doctors at Cedar sinai uh, Dr. Gabriel Hunt. Uh, you don't forget the name of the guy who saved your life, literally. Uh, he repaired it. Uh, shout out. He's a brother out there at Cedar sinai doing a damn thing. And here's the thing is... If there's, if there's anything I want people to take away, you know, we talk about leaning into curiosity and finding your purpose, is share your story. Yeah. Is uh, a lot of us diminish our story and we think, well, my pain is not as great as their pain. My trauma uh, is not as great. You're, oh, no, your experience is so way worse. Yeah. And it's not even about that. Di diversity comes from people having different experiences whether you know you you're a holocaust survivor or whether you, you survived the hood yeah. right you know whether you went to yeah. a public school or a private school whether you're vegan or a carnivore whether you're a farmer or city dweller mm -hmm. like it's about us sharing our stories because together then we can we can move forward individually it could take a little longer right yeah. that's why you have different people on a space station and um, uh, you know, that's why companies, they buy other companies, they diversify, even financially talking about diversify your portfolio. So we have to diversify our network, diversify our thinking, diversify what we're consuming. Mm -hmm. Uh, diversity is not just something that companies should do, but something that we can do at an, uh, individual level. But, um, but it, it was sharing. I was, so basically I, um, was at Gold's Gym working out, and I felt a pop in my neck in my 30s, and I remembered it, the same feeling that I had the first time I woke up paralyzed in, uh, in college. And so I was like, oh, God, I'm going to wake up paralyzed tomorrow. Oh and sure enough, I woke up paralyzed the next morning. And Sorry, but like from the neck down? Like, what do you neck mean? Neck down, just like, just frozen, right? And, it, and this isn't the... Uh, you know, some people have experienced where, like, they wake up uh, before their brain wakes up. Uh -huh. So you're kind of laying there and you feel like people are moving around the room. It's, this is not that because I've had that, too. Yeah. Um, so I woke up paralyzed. And then I, I, when you're paralyzed, you, you lose track of time. So I don't know how long I was laying there. But eventually I was able to regain my mobility. And so I go to the doctor in my 30s and he goes, oh, yeah, you got six bulging discs now. Because in college... I only had three bulging discs. I say only. Oh. I had three bulging discs. Yeah. And then in my 30s, it had bumped up to six. And you only have oh. seven in your neck, yes, right? Yes, you only have seven. Yep. So uh, he goes, we're going to need to operate. Because I, I was also losing, I had also lost the strength of my left side of my body. Like yeah. carrying groceries, carrying a gallon of milk was too much. Wow. Um, but, you know, trying to find a doctor that you trust. I didn't have insurance at the time. That was the challenge. So I go to one doctor and he goes, yeah, we're going to do surgery. It's going to take about, uh, you'll be in bed for about three months. I go to another doctor. He's like, yeah, you'll be in bed for three months. All these doctors are telling me I'm going to be in bed for months. 
And I go, Leo Flowers is a laying bed for months. I don't do that. And I was like, I don't know anything about doctoring or surgering. Yeah. But I do know I'm not laying in bed for three months. So right. I need to find somebody who can get me up and out of there. Yep. So I'm talking about this on stage in comedy. Wow. Uh, uh, it's part of my set. And after a show, there's this couple that happened to be in town from like Norway or Sweden. And, uh, and they go, we heard your story. Um, we are neurosurgeons in uh, wherever they're from. And they go, the best surgeon is here in Los Angeles. You must go see him, Dr. Gabriel Hunt. Whoa. And when people from another country yeah. refer you to a brother in Los Angeles, yeah. that's the person you go see. Yeah. And so I go in to see him and he goes, yeah, what have you walking out of surgery? <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, I went to three different doctors before you, and they're all like, "No, you're gonna be in bed." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, but we're not gonna do what they're gonna do. We're gonna, we got, we got, we're gonna go into the front of your neck, bat, 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 in and out." Whoa! And it was so, I, like, it was so funny because during the co- consultation, you know, he was in a suit, he's very professional, and then on the day of the surgery, I go in, he's in a Nike track suit with a gold chain. And he's like playing like Run DMC and oh my like, god, like, he's like completely like you know just hip topped out. Oh, and I was like, wow. I, I was like, clearly this must be an easy surgery for you because you look very relaxed. Um, <laughs> and I was so terrified. I was actually I actually started crying. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. This is scary because you know there. I mean, no matter how great he is, you're still going in and you're fusing my neck and things can go wrong. Yeah, and. Um, I remember he goes like, if you don't want to do this, we don't have to do this, you know? And then his assistant was this beautiful, like Kim Kardashian's gorgeous. She was like, like 10X Kim Kardashian. And then wow. she came up to like have him sign something and she was so gorgeous. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, take me in. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know who that is, but I, I was like, I can't ever see me crying, you know? Oh. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I literally... You know, uh, what, like an hour, two hours later, I come to this, like, you know, 6'3 Nigerian woman, just like, boy, get up, get up, boy, you know, like, we go for a walk now. Yeah. And I was up and walking, so. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. But but my point is, is like, a lot of us are holding on to our story and we're ashamed of our story. But if I hadn't shared my story, um then I would not have found out about Dr. Gabriel Hunt. I would not be sitting here, you know, able to move my neck the way I am and able to get back in the gym. Uh, I would have been in bed for three months. So, you know, share your... Now, don't complain about your life. There's a difference between sharing your story and like a woe is me. Nobody wants to hear that. No. But share your story. Share your story. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, there's a difference between being... A quote-unquote victim mm-hmm. right and yeah no absolutely sorry hero you're gonna say something i don't think i was but i definitely can <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like i mean it's very very rewarding to know that when you do speak up and you and you speak from a place of experience from a place of your own acquired wisdom and knowledge that is something that is um irreplaceable to somebody that might be able to provide you some insights from their own lives even if it's a resource to a doctor that can provide a surgery or if it's to a 
a muffin at Whole Foods that you never knew even existed, and you're like, I can't wait to get this fucking muffin. Five dollars? What the fuck are you talking about? Five dollars? That Canadian or American? But either way, it's a muffin that's going to change your life. You have right. these experiences that are invaluable to someone that you don't even realize might actually make a difference once they hear it. You know, and I'm all about that sharing from a place of the heart and letting someone being able to receive it in a way that works for them. And that's a perfect example of you sharing your soul and. I can only imagine comedy. I mean, I would love to be a comedian, but at the same time, not that I can't be a comedian. You know, my humor is much more translated in this format, in kind of that candidacy. I can only imagine being in front of an audience. And yeah, teaching a yoga class is one thing, but making an audience connect to a story through your own lens and creating laughter. I mean, I got to give you props. That's a, that's a huge talent to have. Not everyone has that talent. No, that scares the shit out of me, but <laughs> I guess that's where the God help your constipation. Not that you're constipated. Yeah, no. I'll just out of every hole in the body. Um anyway, I don't know why I said that. Um yeah, no, and I guess bringing it bringing it to today cuz I I always can't believe when we connect with our guests like this so easily, like it's already almost been a, it's been an hour already. Um Bring us to today. How, what are you, I mean, with the pandemic going on, I mean, I'm guessing there's, you haven't done any stand up for a while in person. I don't know what's going on in the city. Well, everything just started to open up. Okay. So I've been doing uh, Zoom comedy shows uh, during okay. the pandemic. Um, I did some shows for like Google, uh, Bumble, like a oh, wow. bunch of corporate uh, Microsoft. Huh. Uh, so I've been very fortunate uh, in that arena. Yeah. And then I've been starting to do more live shows frequently. Okay. There's, a, there's a bunch of new comedy clubs opening up here in San Diego. So oh, wow. uh, it's actually the, uh, the quarantine's been good in some ways um, for comedy and, and for certain businesses to, to mm -hmm. thrive. So uh, yeah. definitely getting back out there. Well, you know, that makes sense with the comedy clubs opening up because it's different than being in a concert hall where you have all the, like, the, the vibration being a lot higher. You can have people in their groups or individual. They can be masked and distanced. And most of you are, a lot of you are vaccinated now, you know, for once, actually, not to sound critical, but the U.S. is actually ahead of us in something when it comes to health. And that's pretty phenomenal that you are getting that treatment now because we are suffering in Canada there's that word again, embracing in Canada the fact that we need to wait a bit longer. No, so we that's great that your industry is 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 growing. You know, that's huge. Well, yeah. that you know, I think it's partly because it's a capitalistic society. And so the more people are at home, the less they're spending uh, and the fewer dollars are circulating. So anything to get us back out there and in the malls and, and buying stuff we don't need. Uh, <laughs> of course, that's a pessimistic yeah. way to view it. But, no, but it's true, though. Uh, it's one but, right yeah. that we have. Yeah, it slows down the economy to have people at home and not working. Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So I get like as we kind of bring it to a close, so to speak, close, but yeah, we'll leave it open for future. We'd love to chat with you again because this has been awesome. And it was your, I think it was your your agency that just reached out to us. We were talking about that before you hopped on, which was so cool. Um, what would you like to? I mean, you you already left everybody with so many little nuggets of wisdom, but how can people find you now? You know, are you, and I think that you're still doing some counseling. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I life coach. If you go to thrivewithleo.com, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching cool. uh, with women and it, it, it wasn't my intention. It's just that that's what the universe uh, has always drawn to me. You know, I personal train and my personal training clients are all Jewish 
moms who stay nice. at home. It just, I've had, you know, I casted a broad net, right? We talk about being a generalist. And then it just happened to hone in on Jewish housewives. Nice. Uh, it's, it's just where, the, where, where the, the, you know, the dust settled. And they so support, even yeah. in life coaching, um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with, uh, you know, I used to work in a group home. I used to counsel inmates and married couples and everything is just uh, whittled down and honed into uh, corporate women, type A personalities. They're like kicking butt at work. Uh, they are thriving or getting promoted, but they're, they're struggling with finding meaning and connection and purpose at home. They, they still feel lonely. There's a sense of uh, a lack of fulfillment. Yes. And so I, that's been my target demographic. Huh. I should reach out to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my God. Oh my I love that. So one of the things that we would love to, we always ask our guests because it's a fun little, and we're at the Getting Juicy podcast, is if you were a favorite kind of juice, what kind of juice would you be and why? A favorite kind of juice. Yes. Oh wow, that's a that's a great question. Oh wow. No, you know, actually, so the first thing that popped in my brain was orange juice with the pulp. Uh, so I'm gonna go pulp. with the first one. Yeah, and I don't know where this is going, uh, but orange with the pulp. Uh, I guess uh, one uh, vitamin C. There's a lot of vitamin C in there, so it is good for yeah. you. Two with the pulp because uh, texture. Texture is is so uh, you know when we think about life, we want everything to go smooth. I just want the day to go smooth, mm-hmm. and it's really the 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 texture, the pulp in our life that uh, are the things that we remember, yeah. right? It's like I want to plan my day, but I'm actually praying that my day does not go according to plan. I'm I'm, I'm I'm leaving room for um, to be surprised, yeah. to be uh, enamored, to be enthralled, to be shocked, to be um, inspired, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that the, to me, the pulp in orange juice is is kind of like a reminder to slow down, mm-hmm. right? Because when when it's smooth, you just you just drink it, but when you feel that pulp on your tongue, you you kind of play with it, uh, you know. And each pulp is a little different. Um, and, and some, some swigs don't have as much pulp as the last one. So it's also a reminder of like letting go of expectations. Yeah. I'm really getting deep on this orange yeah, juice thing. Yeah. Get deep really- <laughs> yeah. Get it. Get juicy. Get juicy. Yeah. And, and, and fresh squeeze, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, not, not that, not that boxed, you know, I grew up on a, on a boxed OJ, but yeah. let's get that fresh. Let's put some effort, you know, and because that ties into putting a lot of things, a lot of times we think that like oh if it was meant to be it would just be but if you want some amazing orange juice it requires you getting a knife cutting it in half but first even before you even get to the orange you got to sharpen your knife you got to sharpen the knife yeah let's not forget about that you got to know how to hold the knife you got to have a cutting board you got to make sure you're prepared you got to make sure that the knife is sharpened you got to know how to cut the orange, and then you have to have a, a thing that makes sure you get all the juices. Yes, and you completely engaged with it. Toss yep. that out, and you don't even toss out the lemon peels. You can keep that. That's yeah. something that you think you could throw in the trash, but that actually is something you could put into your um, compost. Right. Yeah. So nothing is wasted. These these experiences 
in your life, these things that you call traumas, these memories that you're trying to delete, um, is not to go to waste. That's compost, that's fertilizer for your future, for your growth, for, for your story. So let's get pulpy with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, cold get press pulpy. that shit. Cold press it's- it all the way to smithereens. <laughs> cold press doesn't have pulp. That's true, actually. It doesn't. So cold <laughs> press at the pulp. Oh, God. I love that. One of my favorite answer is Hero, don't you think? I think it's pretty amazing. That's some Pulp Fiction right there. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, it's all about the volley. Serve, match, and serve. There it is. Leo and Hero show coming to Vancouver. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I let's can go. rip up with people for sure. On my own, I'm not quite sure. But maybe you can teach you some tricks, Leo, next time you're in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm taking yoga class too. I, I like to yeah. take yoga classes. Yeah. And, um, okay. In different places, it, it's always good material. Well, know. I'll send you my information <laughs> over Instagram, and please, you can check please. me out. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, so wonderful to have you. We would love to have you back if you'd be interested, and also keep us up to date. Um, as I said, you and me will connect as well, and Rachel will connect with you and get everything in the show notes and publish the episode within the next week or so at the very latest, and then we can have you share it with the ether and um have everybody see the brilliance that you are hero rachel thank you guys so much this is amazing thank you amazing leo have a great day we'll talk to you very soon all right you too bye bye bye